And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Okay, so one game to go. Win it and City are champions for the fourth time in five seasons. Don't win it. And, well, that doesn't really bear thinking about at this moment in time, does it? This is Why Always Us. This is your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. Sam Lee is here as well. Hi, Sam. Hello. Uh, here we are. It's happening. <laughs> yeah, it's happening, isn't it? It's happening. You, you know what? It's funny. Um, obviously, when Liverpool kicked off on, on Tuesday night, I saw a question on Twitter that I was going to pose myself, but I just couldn't be bothered with in the end. It was, you know, would would City fans rather it was wrapped up on Tuesday night and Liverpool lost? Or it go to, to Sunday, and obviously I'm not a City fan, so the emotions are different, but obviously I do want City to win the league. But I was thinking before the game, I was I would actually be a big anti-climax, and I'm quite looking forward to Sunday. Um, and, you know, the, the emotions of it and all that kind of thing. Um, and then when Liverpool won, I was like, fuck's sake. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of, I think what we'll probably talk about in this podcast is people coping. People coping with the week, people coping with the emotions, people coping with West Ham as unfolded. Um, And I think my coping mechanisms are slightly different. But ultimately, um, we're all trying to cope with the same thing, which is City need to win this game on Sunday. Um, (laughs) And like you said, it doesn't bear thinking about it if they don't. But it'll be fun to go through all those things. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, You can read everything on City and more on The Athletic right now for £1 a month for six months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod and sign up. You'll get these podcasts as well without the ads. So go and sign up at theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod. You've sparked something a little bit there, Sam, uh, because uh, we'll come to West Ham in a second because I'll talk you through my, uh, my Tuesday, shall I? Um, because uh, Tuesday morning, um, well, Tuesday lunchtime, I went over to the Etihad to do a, a, an interview with uh, City for their kind of for their final match day live pre-record stuff. Um, and I was just chatting to to some of the people there, saying like, "Yeah, I don't think like Liverpool are not going to drop points tonight. I don't see anything like that happening." Um, and I kind of, I, I kind of got myself into the position of it'd be really nice for City to win the league for themselves on Sunday and actually go out, win the game, and and get what they get what they need to do. Um, because when I thought about it, we've not we've not seen City actually go and do that since uh, 2014 with Pellegrini, because the first Guardiola um, title was won when United dropped points. Uh, the second one uh, was won away at Brighton, so we were all outside the Etihad. Well, some of us were outside the Etihad watching on the big screens, but you know it was it was done on a, on an away ground. Um, and then the third one was behind closed doors, and it happened anyway when um, United dropped points again. So, like it was, it was that kind of. It would be really nice to be in the Etihad for that to happen and to yeah. see the game unfold like that. But then, as, as kickoff to um, to Liverpool's game got closer and closer and closer, I was just thinking, just get it done tonight. You know, I don't yeah. really care anymore. Get get it done tonight. Southampton took the lead. I was on my way to football. 
And um, all the way through the game, I'm thinking Southampton are in front here. Southampton, are, oh, right, like, yeah. it could be happening. I come off the pitch after football, and it's uh, and I get I get into the uh, football centre just enough time to hear that Matip scored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, again, um, but the, the, I'm talking about the coping mechanisms and stuff. But you see it on Twitter every every time Liverpool play, particularly in the last few months. You know, City, City fans tweeting, "Oh, we know what's going to happen here. Don't get your hopes up." It's a coping mechanism, isn't it? So yeah. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what it achieves. I don't know if it's just <laughs> airing. No, I'm not being funny. I, no, I'm no, not, no, it's I'm true. I'm not criticizing. I don't know what it achieves. I don't like. It's not going to affect the outcome. I don't know if it's kind of like. I think it's just a way to to cope with the with the stress and something that people are heavily invested in. Yeah. But like my, but like my coping mecha- mechanism is to get really annoyed at that. It's like, come on, who are you fooling? Like, who are you fooling here? Like, you're obviously hoping, you obviously are invested in, in, in some way. Um, but then, you know, I try and, and then you, the, when it then becomes about narrative and stuff, I then try and root it back into, into logic. And that's yeah, how reality. I try and cope with the world itself. You know, even when it's stuff like COVID two years ago, it was kind of like, hey, well, it has to get better, surely. You know that that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like even like even global warming. I'm kind of like no, I'm not a I'm not a like a a climate change denier, but I'm kind of thinking, well, there must be some big companies doing some good stuff that will sort us out because I know that you know you, you see adverts every now and again, and you hope that they're they're it faithful. Be, but, but you also think because if you not, also the alternative not just, but doesn't bear thinking about, does it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But. So it's that, and you think, oh, and you just think, oh, it can't be that bad. So it's that, it's that kind, it's that kind of thing where there's a, for me, there's a little bit of it can't be that bad, and there's yeah. a little bit of look, the, the world doesn't, the world doesn't work like that, and it's not always worst case scenario, despite the climate reports that come out every couple of months, and despite how obvious it looks that Liverpool are somehow going to do it, it's not how, you know, it, it's, it's this isn't how things pan out um obviously yeah there's jeopardy going into the last game yeah but we, um we have a we have a phrase in our whatsapp group that is uh, very simply don't do it to yourself um just just because uh obviously you know you get that hope that liverpool are going to drop points and it's like don't do it to yourself and then the the kind of rebuttal to that is always you know what i'm doing it to myself <laughs> yeah 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 um but that's the thing like just just make peace with it like and just i don't know keep it to yourself no I don't, I don't know i don't know what it is it's like i say it's it's coping isn't it but at the end of the day um all the nerves and all the stress and the, the narrative of it there's so many like so many reasons both football based and actual narrative based to be just as confident in city beating aston villa like yeah, it's aston. absolutely like my the whole thing this week so i was at my mom's on monday morning and she put Sky Sports News on, so seven o'clock. They showed the the West Ham highlights, and then the first thing they showed, I think it might have gone straight from you know like Guardiola clapping the fans or whatever to Coutinho scoring against City at Anfield in like April twenty fourteen, and I was like, right, this is how this is how it is this week, is it? And I must say, it hasn't been so bad. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe media and stuff they were waiting for. Liverpool to, to play Southampton and actually send it to the final day, and maybe over the next few days we'll see that. And I get it. Um, but it, it, it does go to show, I think, that football and football coverage here and all over the world has firmly gone down the route of narrative over logic, I guess. Um, and look, I, I, I get it because, you know, football is not, not so much narrative, but sto- mad storylines do happen. And, you know, that people believe in fate and destiny or whatever and written in the stars and all that. And, you know, that's why people end up getting bad feelings. But, you know, bad feelings are 
usually, well, I would say all, always irrelevant. Uh, how many times do we see someone taking a penalty and go, oh, they're going to miss? And then they score. But then, but then they do miss, and it's not because you had a bad feeling. Or it's, you, you didn't know. Like, I tweeted, I thought Morris was going to miss, but that was my own, that was my own emotions getting, you know, my emotions ran, ran away um, with themselves at that moment when I tweeted that Morris missed. And, you know, let's be honest, I thought we wouldn't know it was going to happen. That was kind of a fucking hell moment kind of yeah. thing. But you, it, you don't, it you don't matter, remember the times difference. when you get a bad feeling and it doesn't pan out the the way that your bad feeling says it will. You don't get you don't remember the times when you say, "Oh, I've got a bad feeling about today." And then yeah, yeah, it's like getting stopped it's, at a red light. Yeah, yes, keep getting stopped at a red light. Fuck's sake, what's going on with these lights? Like, and then, but when you go through on a green, it's never a oh, good. Yeah, you, know, you never just, remember. That's how it should be, and it's like that's why people get so pissed off with referees because you you ignore the decisions you do get because you think okay we should get those and then the little ones go against you and you just get more and more angry and it's the same it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in terms of those feelings and stuff and like the narrative of it and how oh, Gerard can do this and, and like kind of my challenge because look, I'm aware that for, in 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 football anything anything can happen, so I don't want to do a podcast now. Which is telling people that City are definitely going to win because nobody knows that, nobody knows that. And what I also don't want is if City don't win, I don't want my podcast and media appearances dug up saying you said you oh, were, were going to win. Yeah, Sam yeah. said Villa are shit and City are going to win, so don't worry about it. That's not the case whatsoever. But what I do want to do in the face of the kind of Gerard narrative and all of this and Coutinho and going back to 2014 and whatever, it's that I think the reality of the situation is. And the more relevant thing about Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa is that they are fairly average. They are they have been fairly average this season. Like I'm not saying he's a bad manager by any means, and I'm not like you know I've got mates who are United fans who who really want him to fail. When he when he took over Villa, I was not fair play to him. I actually, actually hope it goes well. And Guardiola said some really nice things about him after the the game that City had at Villa Park earlier in the season, and that was you know that was a difficult game. Um, but just in terms of the kind of just the the logic of it and just to try and bring things onto an even keel not to say that city are definitely going to win and and get arrogant about it but i actually did some research for once and i looked at villa's away games this season and since gerard took over they've won six out of 12 and those 12 are palace which was his first one norwich everton brighton leeds and burnley they haven't got a point at a, a big six team. They had done the season before, um, but they haven't done this season. Um, they are where they are in the league. And I think they are they one of the few, one of the few Premier League teams with with not nothing to play for. In fact, looking at it, um, I, I've I've read something that I'm, I'm trying to cover all bases here, just to kind of. Um, just, 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 just to kind of look at things sensibly, and you know we'll get into why it may be difficult later on. Um, but I've I've read something that their players get bonuses if they finish fourteenth and above. They don't just get bonuses now for finishing yeah. above the relegation places. I looked in the table; just they're fourteenth, and Southampton are fifteenth, but they're four points ahead. Yeah, so they can't finish fifteenth anyway. Just I was going to say, just looking at the table, they are they are destined to finish. I think if my maths are a, a spot on here, somewhere between fourteenth and uh, ninth. I don't think they can get any. Well, they can't get any higher than ninth. Uh, they can't. Uh, I don't think they can drop any lower than fourteenth. So they they are firmly mid table. Yeah, they are like, 
this, and this is the thing. I was thinking last night. So I'm a bit ill at the minute, and you know when you're ill and you just have kind of mad dreams and you get you are in and out of consciousness kind of thing. But like I couldn't, and my, my son's ill as well, so he was in bed with us, kind of snoring and coughing. And I couldn't, I couldn't get out of my head the kind of things I was going to say on this podcast, and it was, it was driving me absolutely mad. Um, so in the end, I just went and slept on the sofa because I just, I was, I just need to go away and think about something different. Um, but here we are, so I've got no excuse. <laughs> but I was thinking, who would you rather play on the last game, like on on football merit, because you've got teams that are worse than them in the table, but Everton, Leeds, and Burnley are scrapping. And look, I'd still say the City should beat them. But, you know, they've... I know this game's on Thursday night, but those teams, they they, they might need to keep themselves up. Desperately so. Obviously, Watford and Norwich. Um, you don't want to play Watford and Norwich, but okay. Um, I mean, Southampton are there, and I mean, they were lamentable, weren't they, on Tuesday? Yeah. Um, probably, and they've, they've taken... Well, they've, they've restricted City twice this season. And this is the thing about, like, Steven Gerrard's Villa. People are talking about Steven Gerrard's Villa because of the, the storyline, not because of what he makes them. Um, and again, they, they could give City a really difficult game, but I'd be more worried if it was Patrick Vieira's Crystal Palace. You know, I, 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 the, given the way the games went, I know City won, but look, just looking at the table here, Thomas Frank's Brentford, they were horrible games. Yeah, Awful games they were. Absolutely awful to watch, but basically City just got the job done. Um, uh, you. I mean, you'd, you'd kind of be okay with Leicester, but I think their threat on the break is there. Um, West Ham. I mean, West Ham is West Ham. Kind of speaks for itself. Yeah, we saw. I, that guess, that we I guess we'll go into those games slightly, or maybe we'll pick up on bits here and there. Um, and then above that, what have you got? So obviously, it wouldn't. It's not really likely to be any of the other members of the top six. You don't normally get massive games on the last day, do you? No. Um, Brighton. Brighton would have been quite nice, I guess. Um. Newcastle had had them recently. It was fairly easy, fine. Um, that's basically and Wolves, you know, had them fairly like fairly recently, and and obviously that was fine as well. But at at the Etihad where they could have defended, you know, it was difficult. Um, and you know, I I'd kind of think that would be a difficult game. But but Villa, and again, I, I, at, at no point am I saying City are definitely going to win. But I, I just maybe it, maybe again, this is my own determination and desire to get. To, to make life it, and football logical when it isn't. But yeah, I'm just if, saying, you, if you were going to hand pick an opponent, then Villa are one of the ones you might pick. Yeah, and look, I mean, what? Newcastle can get into the top half if they win. Um, West Ham can finish above United um, if the results go their way. Um, you know, Leicester can finish above Wolves and get eighth. Um, I mean, I'm not saying these are all things that teams will really be asked about pushing for, but like, yeah, like you said, Villa are kind of they are where they are. But looking at it as well, oh yeah, because obviously they got two games in hand, so they could get up into the top half. Um, I suppose it'll be interesting to see what he does team selection wise. Because if he rests players against Burnley and goes with a full squad against City, then you think this is this is where the narrative kind of kicks in a bit because he's obviously really keen to get the result. But I mean, look, loads of teams are really keen to get the result, and at the end of the day, City are really good. Um, but also, if we if we're going to talk about the narrative of it, and and look, I I get it, you know, it, it kind of stresses me out a bit thinking, you know, Mars has missed penalty and and Liverpool winning with that team last night, and you know the quadruple still on, them winning the cups with penalty shootouts, you know, all this thing, you know, it just feels like it's destiny or whatever. Um, I can't, I get it as well, but I, I and it stress it does stress me out slightly, but just to kind of flip it on its head a bit. You know, there's there's some good narratives in City beating Villa. 
Jack Reilly scores the winner against Villa, win, gives City the title, 100 million, repaid in an instant. Um, just there was another one as well. But I can't, I can't remember it. But, <laughs> but I mean, just it just go, it just goes back to the footballing reasons. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Well, while, while we're kind of looking at, at the uh, at the big situation, because I know um, Twitter was uh, awash with um, uh, kind of certainly after Mares had missed on on Sunday, there was oh. it was kind of um, some pure twenty twenty hindsight thinking in there. Um, oh, yeah, because yeah. there was uh, I, I want to talk I want to talk briefly about Mares because this kind of builds into the the narrative sort of thing as well. Um, because I I kind of get what you were saying on Sunday where you couldn't decide if it was a heroic fight back or or if City had, had nearly bottled it because like like the second half was completely different to the first half and you know they're, they're a missed penalty away from you know getting the getting the three points in that game. Yeah. Um, the truth is when Mares stepped up for that penalty there is absolutely nobody else I wanted on that pitch on that penalty no. and if a penalty is given against Villa there's absolutely nobody else I would want on it other than Mares because like, like basically sometimes players miss he normally scores that's that's how I'm thinking I don't buy yeah. that he always misses under pressure because he doesn't he, he scored against Dortmund he scored against Arsenal at the start of the year when City went yeah, backs yeah. against the wall he, he equalized against Spurs and then City went and the lost Spurs it. one was yeah. a big one big pressure one yeah, so I don't buy that he always misses under and pressure. And he's the taker, simple as that. Like, yeah. It, yeah, it's just it's just pure people picking holes in something when it when it goes wrong. But to go back and then question the logic of it or why isn't De Bruyne doing this or what, like, it's, it's just... Mahrez takes the penalties for City. He's established himself after that 18-month weird period where nobody could score. Or like, you know, when Rodri took that penalty against Spurs and it just creeped in and was like, oh, well, he's never taken one again kind of thing. And Gundogan missed to Anfield and, and all these kind of things. He's he's as established himself as as the best one, and now people are like, oh, he doesn't change sides and whatever stuff. Okay, it will. It was a shit penalty. I'm not gonna not gonna question that. But yeah, he's, he's emerged as their best one. I mean, in terms of you saying if if City get a penalty at the weekend, part of me does just feel like De Bruyne would say, I'm not missing this. I'm not missing this. I'm putting it in the top corner. But then De Bruyne does miss though. He's he's yeah, missed exactly. City. But then yeah. again, why 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 hasn't he been taking them for years? And that was the whole thing. I remember I remember asking him at the start of this weird kind of period where they weren't scoring penalties before the pandemic when it was the League Cup semi-final at Old Trafford. I remember saying, I was like, would you not take Would you not take one? He was like, yeah, yeah, if they ask. But like, it was never really a big thing. And then I think he did take some in that in that run, but it wasn't a... I can't remember it now exactly. I think, sure he, I, I, I think he missed more, in but, lockdown against Liverpool. Yeah, that's how, Yeah, he put one wide, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so and, I mean, he would have had to as well because they they were literally trying everybody at that point. Um, yeah, I mean, like I say, I get I get the feeling, but just um, purely because Mara's missed, you know, if, if you're saying there's no one else I'd rather want to take it, 
if City got a penalty and it was an important one and he and Morris had the ball in his hands, I would be nervous because I would think, fucking hell, he missed one last week. Like, he's going to miss it again. Just in that kind of really negative thought pit you get yourself into before these things. Um, but yeah, based on logic and and you know his previous record and whatever, it, yeah, fair enough. And absolutely fair enough that he took it at the weekend. It was obviously just a a bit of disappointment that he that he missed it and obviously set it up for this weekend. Um again that that's it. Not not so much narrative, but like experience. Like it's it's funny because like you can never speak for every city fan. And obviously Twitter's not representative of it. And um and also you notice, you know, the people who are kind of dealing with their stress in private, you don't see or they've got no stress, so you don't see it. Um but obviously the stuff you see on Twitter about being nervous and it's going to be awful and got a bad feeling about it and all this. It's like, have City fans not developed? And I get it because there's the typical City thing and I get it. It's decades of watching watching your team kind of mess up. And for a lot of fans, you know, that goes back decades, you know, long, longer than even you. And obviously you've been watching them for... Well, I don't know when your first football moment yeah, was, but I'm guessing the mid nineties. <laughs> yeah, let's not let's not uh, open that can. <laughs> yeah, so I get it. So I get it. But at the same time, I'm like the playoff final, like ninety three twenty. Um, obviously, West Ham on the last day, holding off Liverpool two or three years ago. City have got a record of this. It's like you know when he said he said to me if, um, a couple of months ago, was it when Spurs beat City, and you were like, you messaged me and we talked about it on the podcast, and you were like, City have never lost a title race when they've been leading it. So is this the year that it's going to happen? I was like, what do you mean? Surely you read into that that City have never <laughs> lost a title race when they're leading it, and therefore they will win it. So again, that's another kind of reason. You know, it's, it's kind of it's like, that's learned experience. This is what. This football team, and God, they've had their bloody downs over the years. Everybody, everybody listening to that to this podcast understands that more than I ever do. Yeah, but also, like, even though the playoff final was at the level that it was, like, to be in that situation and win it, obviously, until night three twenty, you, you'd think never nothing was going to ever top that again. Um, but it's something you know. It's in the character of the club now. You know, the char- the club are building this new character. You know, it's Guardiola is kind of establishing City as something different to even what it was under Pellegrini and Mancini. But obviously it started with Mancini and the FA Cup. Obviously it wasn't a late win, but that culture started there. But, you know, under Guardiola at least, and there's no guarantees it will carry on when he's gone, but City are winners currently. And yeah, like it's in not just the recent history of this club, because we can go back more than more than 20 years now, but it's in the character of the club to to get over the line. And... I've not seen much mention of that this yeah. week, um, but you know it could happen again. And also, look for all the nerves and the kind of the going back to oh, if if um, Southampton had done City a favour last night, ultimately Sunday could be one of the best days of your lives. Yeah. And you know, I just said, you know, until ninety three twenty, nobody thought they would ever top the playoff final for drama and ecstasy. Maybe it happens again. Like Guardiola was asked before the West Ham game and after, because obviously all the Aguero stuff was going on last week. Um, he was like, oh, "Do you think it could happen again?" And he, his answer was just like, don't even, you know, "Don't even mention that." Yeah, yeah I know I, that I, everybody, I, think, everybody feels the same. I, I wrote it in my article after the West Ham game. Like, I don't feel like anybody's heart could deal with that. But ultimately, if you're offered that now, you would take it. Um, yeah. the the problem the problem that I have with it is like genuinely the uh, the 13th of May 2012 is um, as much as like I don't have. 
huge like I, I have hugely fond memories of the aftermath of it but the build-up to it is one of the most traumatic experiences in my life so yeah. it's like it, it's like you, you don't want to have to go through that you just want a nice simple win on the final day and so it kind of builds into the question at what point am i allowed to get really anxious on sunday when it's nil nil on x minutes where, where x equals what yeah no that's interesting I, I might write an article on this this week um but city have scored the most, and if I see this article elsewhere in the press, then I know you're listening and copying me, so don't you dare. No, I'm joking. City have scored the, the, the joint second most early goals, um, which is goals in the first 15 minutes of any team in the Premier League era. I think they've got 18, and that's in 15 matches. Um, they're tied with Blackburn in 95, but they're one goal behind City from 2018-19. So that has been a kind of feature of their season. And undoubtedly, that would be a bloody good start on Sunday. You know, City, like, when there was De Bruyne's header against Real Madrid, like the second minute. Yeah. Like, they, 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 it's a feature of their game. I asked Guardiola about it. He was just kind of like, oh, didn't know that. Not not really sure. But, you know, it shows we're well prepared, et cetera, et cetera. And I've not looked into it yet. But if I do do the article, then obviously I'll look at games where they haven't scored early. And because, you know, 15 games, there's still another 30-odd games they would have won without scoring early. So it's not the be-all and end-all. But, yeah, so an early goal would obviously help. Um, but in terms of the nerves, and like I say, if I'm trying to look at this game and what it means in its totality, you know, are there reasons to be nervous beyond um, the, the narrative and Gerard yeah, the and Liverpool, you know, written in the stars and all this stuff that is in- intangible? Um, I mean, if you remember the the Leicester game when Company scored, City were really nervous. It was terrible. It was it was a a really really edgy game. Maybe the same. Maybe the same. I feel like there's more going to be an air of. Like, I don't know why, and I might be wrong, but that night it just felt like, oh God, just win. Whereas I feel like on Sunday there'll be more of a, come on lads, like you know that kind of get behind the team from the start. And look, if it gets to 15, 20 minutes and there's no goals, it'll be edgy. You know, there'll be that come on City chant, which I don't feel is like a constructive chant, is it? It's not like a <laughs> come on lads, it's a fucking get on with it kind of chant. Like I noticed that against Brighton the other week. Um, and uh, somebody messaged me because I wrote, I'll put it in an article and he was like, it goes back to the main road days, that one. I was like, okay. Yeah, so there's obviously the, something in that. The, the scoreboard at main road used to have these really dodgy clapping hands on the... Um, right. Uh, on, on the kind of like the digital display it was like it's like really shit uh graphics of these two clapping hands that used to say just you say come on city and the chant kind of mirrors that mm. yeah okay but but it was good against brighton because there was that at first and i was all the fans getting edgy here but then but then there was more supportive and god i know this sounds proper 2022 we should all have you know, in, not inclusive football chants but you know you know what i mean like it should all be a very nice safe space and we shouldn't clap and all this kind of stuff that the right go on about as if it's the end of the world but like if you are there to support the team you don't want it to be edgy you don't want the nerves to transmit to the pitch so when City fans were singing stand up for the champions that is more supportive and I, yeah. I do feel like there'll be that against Villa at the weekend Guardiola, um, yes, Guardiola been... play, praised that against Newcastle though didn't he and I genuinely yeah, when, yeah, I, yeah. when I was thinking about that Newcastle game I didn't really remember too much difference between that yeah. and other games this season but Guardiola was well, really I, happy with it yeah um I think so, but I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I think was a big part of that. It was Liverpool drawing Spurs the night before. I think yeah, that changed. Yeah, yeah. I think that flipped things completely. And 
I mean, I do still think it'll be more kind of, I don't know, it will be edgy at times. If City don't score really, it'll be edgy. And there'll be groans and stuff. You know, you, you couldn't have a final day without it, you know, unless City's got up to two minutes, then after 10, and then all of a sudden it's all right. Um, and that, that would be quite hilarious, actually. But um, yeah, he, he did. I do, I do think Liverpool dropping points helped that. It, it changed the disappointment um, from the Real Madrid loss to the you know to the to the increased chances of winning the Premier League I do think that really helped um but the other thing I was going to say in terms of nerves and stuff is there was a you know there, it was fairly chaotic that Newcastle game for a while um obviously City pulled away and even at 3-0 it looked like they were gonna um, rack up a load of a load of goals and then Newcastle came back into it for a bit but look at 3-0 look if you're 3-0 up on Saturday, on Sunday take it all day I'm not saying that but it was a bit chaotic early on and Newcastle had chances and look we've seen Watford go through on goal and you know City's patched up defence and dealing with that it's not going to be ideal you know if if Walker, Stones, Diaz and Cancelo were playing at the weekend and you know, I know Walker said that he hopes to be fit and I, I, I couldn't tell you I couldn't tell you the players have had a couple of days off um, so I don't I don't know what the, the training has been like but if they were if they were there, you'd be even more convinced. So yeah, the defense is a bit of an issue. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe this is a bit of scapegoating, but I wouldn't be surprised if Cancelo did something fucking mental on the halfway line, <laughs> and Danny Ings ended up running through on goal, and maybe he finishes better than he did against Allison, or maybe you know Allison's better at stopping shots than Edison is. You know, that's I don't know if that's a debate for another day or for now, because that's that kind of debate is really read interview recently particularly after the weekend yeah and like some of the, i know we said we might pick up bits of the the west ham games we go through but well there's two bits that, in, there's two bits in there i had thought about one of them was edison and not the first goal the second goal um but uh also fernandinho in the back four uh over ake um is, is ake just not fit well i asked somebody who knows him and uh, knows him very well and he was like i genuinely don't know i was like Come on, like, come on! <laughs> I was like, I don't even. I'm, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even do an article or whatever. It's just, I just want to know. Like, we'll take it from there, kind of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, if that case fit, he's got to play. He's got to play. Um, but yeah, so like, Gary Neville did a good analysis of City's changes after half time. But like, my head was not in a in a space to kind of tactically analyze what was happening against against West Ham. I was, I was all over the place. And like, I actually remember. So at half time, I was messaging another journalist who, you know, covers City. And he was like, my head's gone here. And I, and it was at the time, you know, it was half time. Everything you see on Twitter was, we fucked it. Liverpool are going to score six against Southampton, um, five against Wolves. And then, you know, we fucked it. It's over. There, genuinely, there was loads of that. And again, like, the reason that I kind of rail against that is just because it, it kind of bring, it kind of plays on my fears as well. So transfers are even worse. But it's even worse because then, like for Grealish, I ended up kind of being the lightning rod of that inadvertently you know people were coming to me for it and Villa fans were coming to me giving me shit for it and everyone's kind of anxiety about the transfer not happening was kind of not just there that I could see on Twitter and obviously I could take myself away from that but it was kind of messages to me and and ads to me and stuff like what's going on with this it's you know it's gonna it's gonna fall and like it it, it's not good for the kind of that collective kind of worry is not good for like an individual's mental health really but I remember messaging my mate and I was saying my emotions want to say that City have absolutely fucked it here because of all those tweets, and I get where they're coming from because it's just pure emotion and disappointment. And obviously they were kind of compounded by all those stats about City being behind at halftime and hardly ever turning it around, City being 2-0 down at halftime and never turning it around. 
it, it looked bleak, and I, I completely got it. And like I said, I I've kind of felt the same, but I was able to kind of say my emotions want to say that they fucked it, but I know that that isn't how it works. Like, there's you know there's still there's still a long way to go, kind of thing. A lot that that, that can change, and obviously, yeah, the second half. Um, the second half was much better, but yeah. So Gary Neville kind of did a, a tactical analysis of where things had, had changed, and it was true. It was you know everything he said um, made sense. Although he said Grealish was still making, he compared Grealish and Mares, and there was more passes backwards in the first half and second half. There were more forwards, and but you know Grealish still had like a quite a high percentage, and he was like, "This is something Grealish has got to work on. He's got to do less of this." And it's like, yeah, okay, we all want to see more from Grealish, and basically what we want to see from Grealish is what he did. At, Four five nil against Newcastle when he just rinsed the right back yeah. and set up Foden. We want to see that every week, but also I, with that, I did think. Well, we know that half of his role is to get the ball wide and then give it back to Rodri or Cancelo. Obviously, Cancelo wasn't there the other day, but give it back to them. That is a backwards pass, but that's what he's asked to do. So that was one thing. But anyway, in terms of the tactics and stuff, the the approach was different. City were much better after half time, but the defending was worse in the second half. Like the the isolated moments, because City defended well in the first half, apart from shitting the bed twice, and and City defended well in the second half, apart from shitting the bed even worse <laughs> twice. Like genuinely, I put that, it to you, that Sam. back pass, which Edison kind of, I don't know, did did Ed, I don't know, like it. I saw people blaming Edison for it and and saying Laporte had it under control, but I guess in yeah, I don't know, I, I don't know, but that back pass, and then Zinchenko thinking. I'm going to turn around and play this back in field, but not just into danger, but into like the worst danger you can imagine. It was fucking abysmal. And then Fernandinho trying that back pass, and look, it was just a mistake, but it needed to go 40 yards, and it went about 10. Yeah. And Antonio chipped over, you think, and that was at 2 1. Like it was un- unbelievably bad. And yeah, that is why you hope at the weekend that, you know, at least Ake is going to be available. But then yeah. again, like, Loads of times we've we've said, oh, you know, Fernandinho, or we thought that he hasn't got it in the tank. And look, he's not the Fernandinho of two years ago, three years ago, five years ago. Obviously not. But if Fernandinho does play, okay, would I be surprised if he shit the bed? No. But would I be surprised if he had a great game? I wouldn't either. Also no, yeah. I also put it to you, Sam, that uh, if you have already shit the bed, more shit in the bed does not make things any worse, really. (laughs) Um, Well, no, but I mean, obviously at that point, that point that helps. And look, I suppose now with the goal difference, the goal difference is what now? Six. So if if City and Liverpool, if, if City had lost at the weekend, and obviously, what, what would the situation even be? I've yeah, for, it to go, for it to get to goal difference, uh, Liverpool would have to draw and City would have to lose. Oh, right, yeah. So if City, but if City had a loss at the weekend, they would have been level on points, of course. Well, of course, that's why it would be goal difference. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so obviously if City were to win, because I was actually thinking when we were coming out of Wolves, and again, talking about feelings, I was not convinced, but I was like, City are going to drop drop points at Wolves. I can feel it. I can feel it. And they were great. And I was like, they'll be fine at West Ham. And they weren't. So, you know, the feelings, unless unless my feelings are just less telepathic than everyone else's. But it's just bollocks. <laughs> but I did remember coming out of, of Molyneux thinking, I do not want it to go into the goal difference on the last game of the season. It'd be quite fun. You know, if all of a sudden City are 4-0 up and then you hear that Liverpool have got six, and then City need to have to go and score another. It'd be quite fun and quite unprecedented, but also like that's way too too risky. Yeah. So yeah, the fact that City got the point and all of that, yeah, in the article, like 
the the question of did they bottle it or were they heroic? Like it was kind of that's a rhetorical thing. Like it was it was playing with the narrative yeah, of, yeah, these, yeah. of these games. Like how like is is there a set narrative for this outcome for what happened in this game? And like like what like I was saying with Gary Neville talking about the tactical changes, he was absolutely right in terms of what changed, and he wasn't. You know, I don't think he was really saying making any grander point than that. But at the same time, the tactics did, did change and they did help City um, attack a bit more and, and be more dangerous. Um, but the mistakes in the, at the back were worse in the second half than in the first. And yeah, that, it really could have got could have got messy. But like, yeah, like I said, I think fair play to them for coming back into it with a bit of luck on the own goal. Um, and yeah, Mara's missed it. It is what it is. It's not a sign that Liverpool are going to win it because Mara's missed a penalty. It's not how it works, but yeah, I am. The, the 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 one narrative I'm concerned about because it would sum up the whole season and you wouldn't be able to avoid it. Although the fact that they've signed Haaland would mean that it's immediately moot. Is if the whole well, season came down to City not having a striker or perceived yeah. not having a striker, you know, if they if they if they miss their chances at the weekend, then it's it's number nine. In the you know, we said all season yeah. and Guardiola said, look. When you know when City won five 0 and people are like, oh, maybe you don't need a striker after all. And Guardiola's always said, "Look, when we lose, you're going to come and ask me, do we need a striker?" And that's exactly how it's panned out. And can you imagine if they don't win this game and therefore the league because of not having a striker? You know, it that is that's the one that it, again it doesn't make any difference to what's actually going to happen. Um, but you know, City, City at home got a a great record. Villa away not got a great record. You know. There, there's there's plenty of reasons to go into it and be confident, but in terms of the recurring narrative and everything that would happen afterwards, yeah, like you say, it's kind of doesn't bear thinking about. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. I'm going to finish, Sam, with some questions from Twitter. Um, Chris Booth says, what's your view on Guardiola's recent demeanour and comments in press conferences, particularly comments about Liverpool and the personality stuff? Is it saltiness or top birding? Personality stuff. What am, I, what am I missing with the personality stuff? Uh, he's been talking. Oh yeah, about, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, given it was me, who was fucking moaning about it to anyone who would listen for three or four days. And it was me who asked Guardiola about Evera as well because I just thought he might, he might. Well, I just thought it, like there's no point in me um, talking about how rubbish it is. You may as well let Guardiola make the point himself. Um, no, uh, that's if 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 he'd have been asked. If that kind of allegation had been put to him at any point, I'd say allegation, it's not that deep, is it? But been put to <laughs> any point over the last five or six years, you would have said it the same. The stuff about everyone supporting Liverpool, look, I know everyone's going to say, well, it's true. And it seems like there's been an article every day since then. The City fans have quote tweeted and said, Pep was right. 
And like like I said in, in the article, you know, the idea of some deep rooted media agenda is is just patently not true. But you know, sometimes it's a little easier to understand. And yeah, so I know City fans are going to say, "Well, he was right. He was right." But it's not the fact of whether he was right or not. It was just why. And the dig about you know. Liverpool, well, they're not they're not such a force in the Premier League because they've won one title in thirty years. Like, what, why do that then? But obviously, I don't know. Maybe hurting a bit after the Real Madrid game or whatever. But no, in terms of like comments and demeanour and whatever, like well, as soon as the the words of that question were being formed, I was like, no, no, seems. I, seems I think absolutely he, fair enough. I think he fine. feels like he's having a lot more fun at the moment. I think it, it it's it seems like um, the I don't know if it's the human interaction in press conferences is back and that sort of thing, but it, it feels like he's uh, like he's enjoying himself a bit more. Um, and it kind of I, I guess it kind of builds into this question from Stu. Uh, Stu says um, Pep says he could be here for another ten years. I've not seen him say that actually, but uh, I'm happy for oh, yeah, him. No, to, he, said yeah. it, he said it a lot in the kind of hypothetical thing. Oh, did he? Um, well, uh, Stu says how realistic is that and how long do you think he'll extend his contract for if he does for another 10 well it's interesting now isn't it that he's saying he's going to wait until the end of next season to decide and and make sure the squad's fresh i i know you've had a lot of questions about transfers and stuff and and you know what there's there's a long summer for that and you know we'll we'll be back in what a month you know we'll do a podcast after we'll do we'll do one after villa and we could do a transfer kind of and then uh, yeah yeah like yeah exactly if 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 i've got an article next week with a load of transfer stuff in it then we'll do a pod around that um but yeah we'll be back in in mid-june so there's a lot a lot of time to talk about that but i think guardiola i've i've got got, i don't know because i'm pretty sure that one of the big reasons harlan's coming is because there were some kind of assurances that pep would be around um so for him to say, I don't know, we'll see how it goes, is unusual. It doesn't really add up. Um, but, and then on the other hand, I don't know if this adds up to what I was just saying then, but so, and going back to the kind of squad rebuild and transfer stuff, and people, like, I saw one question saying, you know, if City don't win on on Sunday, would that be a bigger rebuild? I mean, no, they wouldn't. You know, because what, you know, what, they've not had a shit season. You know, if they were terrible and way off it, then they'd have been planning a, a big rebuild for ages. But, if it was a 2020-style season. Yeah, exactly. But they've not, they've not um, had any reason to do that. You know, lose, mess, messing up one game, and again, like I say, if we're putting it down to chances being missed or whatever, then well, they've already signed Haaland anyway, so fine. And look, if it's problems at the back, well, okay, half half of their defenders are out. So what do you do there, really? So no, they wouldn't go suddenly. Oh shit, we need loads of extra players, and like, who would it be? But it's weird with their transfer business in the sense that, you know, there's a lot of players you could leave. A lot of players are out of contract next year. But there's not too many plans to bring a load of players in. You know, if Jesus go in, there's a decent chance Sterling goes, as long as, you know, I know David Ornstein did a story last week saying he wants an elite club. And I mean, if if those elite clubs are what? Chelsea, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Liverpool, PSG. I don't know where he's going. Yeah. Well, I think there might be a desire to go, but you know, like last summer where a few wanted to go but couldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if it was the same. But let's say it does happen. I, I don't, I'm not aware of City looking at any wingers. And look, I don't, I've not had those chats yet. Normally I kind of wait until the end of the season. It's, it just, it's just a bit easier then, especially if City have won, you know, people generally a bit happy to share yeah, info. Well, just on, like on if, the players if they leaving. Lose, if they lose wingers and sign two number nines, all of a sudden you've got too many strikers. Yeah. And, and not enough variety on the wings. And like, obviously the Gundogan thing, I've mentioned this before, 
Well, I was going to say, TC, possibly go in. TC said on Twitter, where does the Gundogan stuff come from, considering Pep and Gundogan himself seem bemused at it? Um, and yeah, like, well, I, there's, I, a, there's, there's a good chance he goes. I yeah. think he's bemused at the fact that they said he was in Madrid when he was getting married to his to his, um, to his his fiancée at a registry office in Copenhagen and then went to Rome. Yeah. Um, so they were bemused by that. And obviously they were very, you know, his, his, his now wife posted on Instagram saying, talking about fake news. So yeah, they're they're very, they're very annoyed about the timing, but you know, I had a, you know, I've had conversations with people around him. You know, as far back as the Atletico Madrid game, I remember I did a live podcast with Nadem. I dug it out for somebody saying, "Oh, I was just kind of following the story afterwards." I was like, "Here's the podcast from March 26th." I said Gundogan might be going then. You know, it's it's where it's come from is he um, wants more regular football. You know, the same as the same as Jesus. You know, Jesus is like, okay, well, I could sign a new contract here, but I'm not really playing as much as I want. And now the contract's up, I may as well go somewhere else. Same with Sterling. Um, in many ways, obviously Gundogan. I don't know, maybe a bit less of a rush because he's at the end of his towards the end of his career. But again, there's the World Cup, and a, the World Cup is something that I was told um, a few weeks ago as a big thing. You know, he was gonna. He was going to step aside after the Euros, but he spoke to Hansi Flick and he was like, no, no, you'll be, you'll be a big part of it and, you know, keep playing, you'll be in the World Cup squad. But he wants, weirdly, because I would always say Gundogan, okay, fine, especially recently he has been playing as a holding midfielder or, you know, more of a, coming come in deep, more of a double pivot kind of thing, uh, as Bernardo has as well. But, you know, generally he's played number eight, but there was some kind of suggestion that um, not having a settled role didn't help him with Germany. And obviously recently he's not, He's not played in big games either, and obviously, if you go back, if you if you look for two or three years, he was always playing in those big games for Guardiola. He was always a go-to man. So, yeah, where it comes from, yeah, there's there's obviously been fairly strong denials about the flight from his people. But when I was okay, yeah, so he wasn't in in Madrid. But what are we saying about his actual future? And it was like, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't uh, oh, he's definitely not leaving. Um. So yeah, so yeah, again, I've been talking about that for a while. Him and Fernandinho go in. Um, obviously, Fernandinho was confirmed long ago. He confirmed it himself. But then, uh, that and that's why I thought with Pogba, my theory, and I have not had this confirmed yet. But the th- the thought with Pogba was maybe they were sign- trying to sign him on a free, and that would allow them to also spend, you know, sixty, seventy, eighty, whatever, on somebody else. And all of a sudden, you've got two midfielders. Then, you know, like when they wanted to sign Danny Alves and three other fullbacks, so they had yeah. four. 2017 but when they didn't get Danny Alves they got three fullbacks and they changed one of them to Danilo who could in theory play both sides um, and that was a bit of a spanner in the works for them and now Pogba's not happening it does make me think okay how is this going to look and you know maybe they convinced Gundogan to stay for an extra year but also and look I've, I've been a huge Gundogan fan for ages I don't need to explain that I don't think and, and I still am now if he was around next season then that would be a good thing and I know people are talking about, you know, two big leaders going as well. And yeah, maybe there's, maybe I'm underestimating that. But also I think if if he did go and City were able to bring in two new players, it would really help freshen things up. That would really be a fresh start. And obviously there's the Cucurella rumours. Um, obviously, look, we're recording this early on Wednesday. Um, I'm, I'm looking into it. It seems legit just from Mark and Reed. you know, people really listening to this could make the same assumption. Um I was digging around for agent details just to kind of check it out from all from all angles, and I know somebody who's who's worked in his company in the past, and then his 
his agent came up on Twitter. I think he started following me quite recently. So that's an interesting strand to transfer rumours now. Normally it's footballers liking and, and following clubs <laughs> on Instagram, but now Mark Cucurilla's agent seems to have followed me on in, on, on Twitter and like City Report and City Extra as well, I think. So, there I mean, go. I've, Nail, got, I've got nothing, on. I've got nothing more. On. It's interesting, you know, because I was speaking, you know, I was talking about, um, I was talking about Bielsa's assistant the other week and how she was so switched on about stuff. We were talking about Cucurilla. And about him being amazing. We were talking about Graham Potter being really good and how, how he improves players, and that's the sign of a great coach. And she mentioned Cucurilla as a prime example of that. And she talked about how good he was. But then she said, look, I'm not saying he's got the level for City. And like at that point, and, and it was it wasn't that wasn't like a hypothetical thing. It was kind of in her opinion. Definitely not kind of thing. And look, the the fact that Cheeky Bagiristan and Pep Guardiola might have a different opinion is no surprise whatsoever. And I'm not saying if they did sign him, it'd be a bad signing because of this conversation I had. Um, I just thought that was quite interesting. But yeah, seeing the link, 30 million, uh, like I say, I, c- I couldn't tell you if it's if it's true or not at the minute. It's not a name that I'd, ha- I'd heard, but I knew that they were looking for kind of left backs in that kind of bracket, you know, not massively expensive. Um, but yeah, like it, it seems quite exciting. He's had a good career trajectory. He's done really well. And whenever I've seen him play, I've thought, God, this guy does look good. Kind of given the opportunity to play with better players. And all of a sudden, things do look a bit different. The only thing I would say about that is, I know Zinchenko had a bit of a shocker at the weekend, but I, I'd say buy a right back. Keep Cancelo as a left back. So you've got Cancelo and Zinchenko as left backs. And then you've got a new right back as a competition with Walker, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. So yeah, long-winded answer to Pep staying for 10 years. But <laughs> I, I do feel like it's going to be a very interesting squad shake-up. And he talked so openly about it out of the Champions League last year. He said, you need to shake, you need to move. And it didn't happen. And it hasn't happened for so long with City when they've wanted to to make big changes to the squad. And it feels like this summer they don't really plan to, even though they might need to. And we've talked about them not having a big enough squad to push for all four. I think they have. I just think big players have let them down um, at certain moments. But then again, maybe it's difficult to stay at the top of your game if you're in and out. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do feel like there is a, a big refresh that needs to be done. But if City end up, you know, Jesus and Sterling go, let's say, and, and Gundogan and Fernandinho go, and they don't they don't bring in replacements for that. Um, it'd be very unusual. Obviously, then people would say Cole Palmer and academy stuff, but it doesn't really help in midfield unless if, unless Guardiola finally thinks Foden is ready to drop back into midfield and then space is open up for Palmer in the front line. Um, but I do think he loses a bit of dynamism with Palmer. You know, he's obviously a good player, but if we're talking about hypothetically Sterling and Jesus go in you lose a bit of pace and directness and whatever it is it's a it's interesting it's a weird it? it's a it, yeah. it is a weird summer for sure coming up well it just it, it seems like they could end up with fewer players than they've got now which I'm sure isn't the case but it is it's a weird one just to throw into the mix of all of that as well to finish on Sam uh Johnny Fingers asked uh, as we thought he'd be playing okay. with Kane when we bought Grealish uh do you think that next season when we have Haaland we'll see the best of uh, Jack Grealish I think yeah, I mean, I, I always thought that with Grealish, uh, the second season would be better than the first. You know, I think we, we've talked about this a lot. Um, I think that with Haaland, there'll be an adaptation process. But I've said this before, but I just basically, I think that even while he's adapting, I think the likelihood is that he scores a load of goals anyway, to the extent that the media and fans aren't questioning him. I've used this analogy before, but basically like, uh, like Guardiola and Aguero, 
in their first season together. Aguero was still still scoring loads of goals, so we weren't really pointing questions, pointing fingers at him. It was Guardiola saying he needs to do this, he needs to do that, and then he did it. And it was Guardiola mentioning it. You know, in terms of media coverage or whatever, there was often journalists going into press conferences before games and after saying Aguero is amazing, isn't he? Like, must be great working with him. And then Guardiola was the one who said, actually, he needs to do this, he needs to do that. So I wouldn't be surprised if with Haaland, he scores, I think I must have said this maybe last week. I definitely said it on the podcast with Nadam a couple of weeks ago. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Haaland scores a couple of goals. We were all saying, isn't he amazing? But Pep's the one saying he needs to do better. But ultimately, he'll probably end up scoring about 20-odd goals in his first season at least. And that'll keep the the pressure off his back and then he'll take off in the second season. So, yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, um, obviously that's the case with Grealish and I guess that his hat-trick on Sunday will be a good little springboard to that. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I look forward to that. Um, Sam will reconvene after whatever happens, happens. Um, yeah, well, I mean, there's an outside chance we might not. I think, I think, I think whatever <laughs> happens, there will be the need for a debrief, do you not? I mean, obviously there will be. You can't just you can't, <laughs> you can't just go into hiding. But like, I don't know if it will be the Monday. I don't know if it will be the Tuesday. I don't know if it will be the Wednesday. You know what I mean? I feel like there's there's times there's and, time to let it breathe and maybe. places. And then like, obviously, look, we did the Champions League final debrief straight away. But I feel like I was different. Um, it was a huge disappointment, of course. But I feel like, yeah, like, look, we don't need to bring up emotions that may be irrelevant. Um, but all, all being well, yeah. See you Monday. Um, and then make plans to to go to the parade around Manchester and have a really good day. <laughs> yeah, enjoy it, everyone. That's the end of this week's Why Always Us. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, I mean, I don't envy you all. Bloody hell, you're in for you, you, you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned earlier. What point on Sunday do the nerves kick in during the game? I was like, you'll do well to get to Friday. To be honest, but, <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Yeah, don't forget you can sign up to the Athletic right now for one pound a month for six months. Just use the code Man City Pod. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.